1: I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway
2: Next on The Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan
1: We share the gospel in order that God's elect might be saved out of it all Whether believer or non-believer, we share the gospel because God has an election according to grace who will ultimately hear that gospel as Paul did, right?
2: Thanks for joining us for this Tuesday broadcast of Way of Grace, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Jesse Stan, our pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. If there's one statement we can all agree on about life, it's that we reap what we sow. Some people say it like this, what goes around comes around, right? However you put it, it's true, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. As we continue our study in Acts chapter 11, we see some great illustrations of how to effectively share the gospel and the ways that we can get through to the unsaved. Here's Pastor Jesse beginning in Romans chapter 9 as a cross-reference on this edition of Way of Grace.
1: Remember what Paul had said in Romans chapter 9? This was an ethic of God too. The reason why Israel wasn't destroyed was because God said, except I had saved a remnant. Israel would have been altogether like Sodom and like unto Gomorrah. So, from 1500 BC all the way up to the first century BC, yes, God punished Israel. Yes, He disciplined them. Yes, He destroyed many of the children of Israel, but He always saved the remnant. In fact, the first century church, Mary, Uh, Martha, Mary Magdalene, um, Hannah, the prophetess, Simon, all of those believers were a nucleus of those who actually waited on the consolation of Israel. And God often preserves the whole because of the faithfulness of a few. And that was the case with um, Christ coming into the world. But it's also that because they had done that, he was obligated to share the gospel with them. Now, under that, that particular rubric, point number one, to the Jew first, there are three things that I want to call your attention to. First, the blessing of it. You guys see that in your outline? Yeah. The blessing of it. What is the blessing of it? Well, when the gospel comes to you, there's an opportunity for salvation. That's Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, Then also to the Gentile, right? For the scripture says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. As it is written, um, uh, uh, you know, as it says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so the gospel comes to them because they are the ones that bore the history of God's providence and God's purpose. Go to Romans chapter two now. Show you a couple more verses along those lines before we move forward. This is how Paul was arguing about um israel being uh recipients of the gospel first in romans 2 as we have been going through the study in romans chapter 1 and 2 where paul is now chiding israel um for they're presuming that because they had the law, they were good. Remember in Romans 2, verse 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever you are that judges. For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For thou that judges doest the same thing. He's talking to the Jews now. And then he says, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And do you think, O man, that judges them which do these things and you do the same thing that you will escape the judgment of God. And then he says in verse four, or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is designed to do what leads you to repentance. What Paul says now in verses five through seven are very interesting. Listen to this. It is actually verses five um, through nine. He says, but after the hardness and impenitence of your heart, you are treasuring up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his what? Now, here's what he says in verses seven through nine, which is quite instructive to all of us. To those who by patient continuance and well doing, seeking for glory and honor. They will receive immortality and eternal life. Do you see that? This is the way Paul is explaining how men and women respond to the gospel by faith. When the gospel comes to us by faith, this is how we respond. We live a life of patient continuance and well-doing because we are seeking glory. And what we will receive in time is honor, I mean, uh, immortality and eternal life. We are seeking glory and honor. And immortality and eternal life will be the result of those who are patiently waiting on the Lord. Verse eight. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. Here's the reward. Are you ready? Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Now watch this of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Do you see that? So this is what I meant by getting the priority of our gospel straight. Um, When it says to the Jew first, that is um, a blessing. But it's also, as you see in your outline, a responsibility. It's a blessing for sure to hear the gospel first, but it's also a responsibility. It comes with consequences. Notice. Notice. If the gospel comes to the Jew first, guess what else comes to the Jew first? Judgment. If the gospel comes to you and me first, then you and I are culpable for that message. If the gospel comes to me before it comes to another person, then I know more about the nature and character of God and his will than that other person does. I am more responsible to God. So when they say to the Jew first, it's speaking to a number of things. They have the blessing of hearing the word of God. Paul argues that in Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there in circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. They have the word of God, which is able to save your soul. But as Paul says here in verse 9, to the Jew first... And also to the Gentile, verse 10, watch this, but glory and honor and peace to every man that does what works good Ah, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. I wanted to drive that point home because history has affirmed this principle to the Jew first. God chose the children of Israel 1,500 years before Jesus came. Christ comes into the world. He himself, humanly speaking, is a Jew. The gospel starts where? In Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem, the gospel is being preached. Even right now, they are hearing the gospel. I'm talking about in our context, not right now in the year 2015. In our context, they are hearing the gospel. They've been hearing the gospel in the book of Acts now for about seven years. And if you notice again in our text, what the ethic was, was to go to the Jew first. And in fact, go back to our text now. I'll move to our next point here in a second. I just want to reiterate this before we move forward, because this transition is going to be important. So the text tells us in verse 19. Now, when they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none, but unto the what? Jews only. That was the ethic that they were committed to. That was the ethic that they were committed. And on a practical level, that makes a lot of sense. Let's work with this for a second. First of all, the Jerusalem church is being persecuted. And as they're being scattered abroad, wouldn't it make sense that you would go to people who are of like mind with you first? Wouldn't you go to neighborhoods or to uh, conclaves where people understood your culture, understood the way you thought. Yes, you would. You would go to them because it would be easier to communicate this gospel, which is offensive by na- uh, nature because they would have already been pedagogued in the law of God. You would have went to them because they would have had some Bible knowledge. So let's make this practical for a moment. It's easier to witness to someone who has some Bible knowledge than it is to people who know nothing about God whatsoever. It's easier to share the word of God with people who have grown up in church but may not be solid in the word than it is with a person that is purely ignorant of any scriptural truth. You have to be really gifted as an evangelist to be able to start with a person outside of the scriptures and lead them into the scriptures. That's why very few people do it because they don't have the ability to start with people outside of the scriptures and lead them into the scriptures. But you meet church folk, religious folk where everybody got Bible verses on their lips. Oh, it's easy to talk to them. And so it was for the Jews because they had a whole 1500 years of practicing Judaism. So the only thing they had to do was say, hey, you know, that book you have called the Torah, the Tanah, that book is about Jesus. And then they would begin sharing and the spirit of God would take the witnesses, those who were preaching the word and help them open the scriptures to these saints. That were spread abroad. And remember the diaspora, uh, the spreading abroad of the Christian Jews in Jerusalem wasn't a problem because Jews had been scattered abroad for the longest already. They were in all regions of Rome, all regions of Asia Minor, all regions of Palestine. Everywhere you went, there were Jewish conclaves for the disciples to reach. So the Jew first, there's a blessing when you are first, but then there's also the responsibility. So in Luke 12, 48, you know what it says? To whom much is given, much is what? That's exactly right. And this is going to be the pivotal point of change in our text. To whom much is given, much is required. Jesus speaking in Luke's gospel, chapter 23 through uh, verse 28 through 31, as he's being driven to to Calvary and the women are weeping and crying in Luke's, Luke's gospel. Jesus turns to them and says, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves, because what you see happening to me is a consequence of you rejecting the gospel. And there are woeful consequences that come when the gospel is rejected. So to whom much is given, much is required. That's what we mean by the responsibility. And the third point is the consequence of rejecting that gospel. What is the consequence of rejecting the gospel? It's the hardening of the heart, which blinds one to the benefits of biblical truth, both intellectually as well as spiritually. When the heart is hardened from a perpetual rejection of the word of God, reasoning with hardened people is futile. When the heart is hardened, reasoning with hardened people is futile. Now, it's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, to reason with an unbeliever whose heart is hardened, but their intellect is uninformed. Because you can inform them about truth that they don't know, and now their conscience can struggle with that truth while their heart is still trying to push back on it. Am I making some sense? But when you come across a religious person who thinks they know enough Bible to be able to reject what you're saying, it's almost futile to try to reason with them. It's almost futile. So we hear the words in Hebrews chapter three, where plainly says, uh, do not harden your heart. Be careful of the deceitfulness of sin, which ultimately hardens the heart. And I'm saying all this to say this right now, even though in Luke's narrative of chapter 11, as we're getting ready to follow it all the way through. While there are some Jews who are about to receive the gospel, the vast majority of the Jews are hardening. In fact, the persecution that starts in chapter 8 is the persecution that came from the non-believing Jews against the Christians. It was headed up by the Apostle Paul. So right now what you see is old Jerusalem battling new Jerusalem. The unbelieving Jews are coming after the believing Jews. And the believing Jews are scattered abroad still talking to the unbelieving Jews because we share the gospel in order that God's elect might be saved out of it all. Whether believer or non-believer, we share the gospel because God has an election according to grace who will ultimately hear that gospel as Paul did. Right. But what you're going to see in a short while, by the time we get to Acts chapter 13, and that's just two chapters over. Primarily, the Jews will be through hearing the gospel. Paul and Barnabas and particularly Paul will make a decisive break. We're trying to share the gospel with the Jews and he will know that the spirit of God has said, "Okay, spend the majority of your energy preaching to the Gentiles. And all that means is this. While the message of the gospel is to the Jew first, it doesn't mean that they're going to hear the gospel just because it's to them. And so Jesus makes mention of a principle in the gospel of Matthews chapter 20 verse 16 i want to just share this one with you before we go on he says these words and they'll make sense now that you and i have just thought through a little bit of the blessing the responsibility and the consequences of hearing the gospel in matthew chapter 20 verse 16 here's what our master says as he was speaking to the jewish leaders he just gave a parable And in that parable, they uh, the parable once again is a parable where Christ is rebuking Israel for not doing the right thing in their stewardship. And he says over in verse 16, watch this. So the last shall be what? And the first shall be what? Here it is. For many are called, but few are chosen. Do you see that? So even though the Jews were first, what Jesus prophesied is you would be last. And those whom the Jews thought were last, Jesus is prophesying, they will be first. And he explains the first, last, last, first this way, that while virtually everyone will uh, be under the hearing of the gospel, only the elect will be saved. Now, that, that prophecy that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, the Jews would not have understood that. Not even the disciples would have understood this. Jesus said this several times throughout the gospels. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. He attached that to a number of the parables that he gave. And every one of the parables were parables where in Israel were given commodities. They were given privileges. They were given stewardship and they spurned every one of them. And what Jesus said at the end of the parable is, "Okay, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. And it's interesting. I think it's in this same parable. I want to unpack it where he had given out the talents, some early in the morning, some at noon, some in the evening and some at the last hour of the day. And watch this as that parable closed out. You know what he said? Start paying those who came at the last hour of the day. Don't pay those first who started in the morning. Pay those first who came at the last hour of the day. See, the economy of the kingdom of God is radically different than what we think. See, you and I operate on a performance based mentality. God operates on a principle of grace and sovereign choice, but he also operates on the principle of reciprocity. Because inherent in that parable, what he would have been teaching is those who were serving at the last hour were serving during the most intense period of the gospel where Christ himself would be crucified and the people of God would be scattered abroad. His resurrection would occur. Then the Holy Ghost would be sent out. And that's a kind of a type of the payment where they would receive the third person and be brought into the kingdom and be blessed to be part of the New Testament ministry. All this to say that when we talk about uh, the Jews being first to whom the gospel is given, it's a blessing, but it's also a responsibility that comes with what consequences for rejecting that. And so now go with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. I want to show you this before we go back to our text and deal with the latter points that I think are germane as well. If I were to extract an application to that, I will simply say to you and me, every day that you and I live and as we grow in in, in the knowledge of God, you and I are culpable for that knowledge. And the thing that you and I want to make sure that we do is that we are not coupling the knowledge of God with a continual, gradual, imperceptible, or maybe perceptible hardening of our heart. What you and I don't want to do is go to our grave with a hardened heart, having grown up and gotten old in the church, and never really be connected to Christ because that's what happens to people. They get old, they die, and they never really actually get rooted and grounded in Jesus and bear any fruit. Nothing is more ominous than to be able to sit under the preaching of the word and it does not move you. Nothing is more ominous then to look up and go, you know what? I've been under this preaching for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And today my heart is just as hard to the truth. I have no sense of response to it. It's not doing anything for me. That's a dangerous place to be. You and I never want to hear preaching and teaching that's biblically accurate and not move our hearts. You never want to sit there and go laissez faire. So what? Whoop de doo. I've got other things to do. At that point, you are sticking your fist in God's face because God does not speak any clearer to us than he does in the preaching and exposition of his word. He speaks only with that kind of clarity in that context. So every opportunity you hear the word, you want to exercise the humility, the humility of saying, Lord, soften my heart so I can hear you when you teach. You are not on judgment by my conscience. I'm not sitting here critiquing you, God. I'm not determining whether or not you are worthy to speak to me. But that's where a lot of people are. A lot of people come in judging God. That's right rather than coming in humbly to hear the word of the Lord. I think it was our men's meeting. I talked about this last Friday in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse one, pull that up. Ecclesiastes five, one, show you this. The book of Ecclesiastes five, one. This is a very good principle for you whenever you step foot in the doors of the church where the word of God is honored and the word of God is preached so that you and I don't fail to benefit from it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5-1, are you there? Here's what Solomon says. Keep your foot when you go to the house of God. Do you see that? Let me help you with that. When you go to the house of God, don't act like you're in a social club. Remember, that's the uh, horizontal dilemma I was talking about, where your head is stuck on stupid Like, you you can't look up and realize God is looking down, God is listening, God is observing, and so you deal with everybody on a human level. We we walk in and somebody don't say something to you, you all pissed off, right? Carnal! So when the word of God says, keep your foot, when you go to the house of God, that means you come in with a real sense of reverence, I'm in the presence of God. It's called Coram Dale. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Watch what it says. It says, keep your foot when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of foods. You know what that is? Running off at the mouth, having a thousand opinions about things that sometimes just don't matter. Like the proverb says, in the multitude of our words, all we're going to be doing is sinning. Haven't you noticed that if you don't have a bridle on your tongue, Uh, A governor on that 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 heart of yours that you can let foolish things come out of your mouth and it amazes you how stupid you can be and irreverent you can be and how carnal you can be and how selfish you can be. Even in the presence of God, it's important then to understand how to position yourself to be ready to receive from God when you come into the midst of God's people, because it's possible to come and to go and never hear from God to come and go and get nothing out of the word. You have to prepare your heart to hear the word of God. You have to prepare your heart. He says, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifices of fools, for they do not consider that they are doing what? That's right. And so sometimes when you come in, brothers and sisters who already have the ethic of um, uh, Coram Dale, they will be people who won't be doing a whole lot of talking. And you'll think that they're being unkind or indifferent. No, what they're doing is preparing to hear from God. They're preparing to hear from God. See, we can chatter and we can talk. All that's good. But you've got to be careful to sanctify your heart so that when when we go into prayer, we, we're not playing because we want to hear from God. Otherwise, we can live, get old, die, go to hell. I can take you to other passages where the wicked came and went from the place of the holy, and they died in perished, and nobody even regarded them because they allowed their heart to continue to gradually harden under the preaching of the word of God.
2: And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030 Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30. Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30. Directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan.
1: I-